Do you remember Keith Smart's shot over Syracuse? 19, 1987, I think? March for sure. I'm trying to think if there's really a sports moment I really remember before that. I think that's the first sports moment I can remember. I remember other sports moments. I remember watching like a Detroit Lions game at my friend Eric's house and his stepbrothers were over and I remember them watching the game and there'd be a play and, and the Eric and his stepbrothers would be like, oh, that's a good six-yard run. And then the announcers were like six yards by whoever the Lions running back was at the time. And I was like, God damn, how did they know he ran for six yards? I remember being mesmerized by that. These guys were sports geniuses to me. I thought it was so cool. They were gods. But as you could tell from that story, the only thing I really remember is it was Eric and his stepbrothers. I don't remember who was playing. I don't remember what the game was, what the score was, or who won. But the longer I think about it, the first like real sports moment, the first like first ballots type sports moment I can think of, I think is that Keith Smart shot over Syracuse. I remember it vividly because I got out of bed. I was just a little kid in the game. Whenever it was broadcast, ran later than my bedtime. I don't know what kind of lie I had to finagle to get up. Probably the old I'm going to pee my pants bit. Too much water before bedtime gamut. You guys know it. Anyways, I get up out of bed, and of course, I got to use the bathroom on the other side of the house, and that just happens to make me walk right past the family room where the TV happens to be on playing this national championship game my dad's so into. Well, it just so happens I come downstairs right as the game was ending. Now, clearly I'm not smart enough to have planned that, but it's kismet and I'm here. And because Indiana has the chance to win on the final possession, my old man, shout out to dads and old dads everywhere who let their kids stay up late to watch the end of big games. That's a killer move. Anyways, my dad lets me watch the end of the game and Keith Smart hits that running, fading jump shot along the baseline. And the Indiana Hoosiers beat the Syracuse Orangemen for the NCAA National Championship. That's a great sentence. That's the way college basketball is supposed to sound. And not that it's germane to my point, but while we're here, my Los Angeles Lakers would go on a couple months later to win the NBA title. And they'd repeat the following year, and Pat Riley would coin the phrase back-to-back, which would change my life. And as you can see... Keith Smart's shot really sort of set off a chain of events that would make me fall in love with basketball, a passion that still kind of grips my life by the throat and cuts off all sorts of productivity and human interaction. But has the NCAA tournament been on a long, slow decline since? Am I just getting old? Am I just a jerk? If you've ever listened to the show, you might have heard I'm a bit of a college basketball skeptic. It is what it is. But March Madness, March Madness matters. Or does it? Is it just clever marketing? But what about that first Thursday and Friday of every tournament? What about Jim Nance or Gus Johnson or One Shining Moment, the song that basically led to my career and in a way this entire podcast? Today, we're trying to see which March Madness moments, if any, are good enough to make it into my Hall of Fame. This is First Ballot. Welcome to First Ballot, the podcast that celebrates the moments in sports that really matter and inducts them into the First Ballot Hall of Fame. 
This isn't just about great sports moments. I say that every episode, but I want to make certain that you know that. The first ballot Hall of Fame, it's about important moments. And who determines what's important? I do. I'm your host, Neil, a.k.a. Gotham Coach, a.k.a. the Glass City Cobra, the long-lost Gasol brother, the Reebok pump god, the podcast Jordan Clarkson, half Filipino, half not Filipino. As you all know, I am the world's best Lakers fan. I didn't decide that. That title was bestowed onto me. Lastly, I'm not always right, but I'm never, ever wrong. Coming to you live from the Shaquille O'Neal Office Depot, big and tall executive suite desk chair, the first Ballot Hall of Fame podcast is brought to you by... Ball is Life in the Ball is Life podcast network. Today on the show, we're going to mess with the format just a little bit. March Madness just around the corner. The NCAA tournament, formerly 64 teams. There's now strangely more, whatever. For, was it a formerly great sport event? Is it still great? What are the moments that matter from the NCAA tournament? And can anyone get a March Madness moment into the first ballot Hall of Fame? Past me, noted NCAA basketball critic. We're going to find that out today. I've assembled one of the great panels in podcasting today to attempt this feat to get a March Madness moment into the first ballot Hall of Fame. My first guest today is now a multiple-time First Ballot Podcast co-host. He's also been a guest on the show, and I believe he's also a world-class actor. He's a producer and comedy writer. He played a rapist on Law & Order SVU. He was hired to be the voice of Applebee's moments before he was fired as the voice of Applebee's and replaced by Ted Lasso. It's the guy from the Michael Jordan's Hitler mustache Haynes commercial. It's my friend, Mr. Michael Torpy. Oh, man. Oh, wow. Oh, the, you know, it's man. it's it's... The introduction oh, that you do every time, and it's still, it hurts. It's, it feels r rude. I'm going off your IMDb. That's what's listed. Like, That's you know, not how it it's written. That's not how it's yes, written. Yes, it is. The first entry in your IMDb, Google it. Google it. If, you, if you're listening to this right now, Google it. Go pick up your phone and Google it. Type in Michael Torpy, T-O-R-P-E-Y, IMDb. Yeah known for it has that section where the four things it goes to your this actor's known for number one law and order svu rapist that's number one okay and then i think the applebee's thing is four look it's a it's a great franchise i was lucky to be part of it and i'll just leave it at that our next guest is best known as the official college basketball fan of the first ballot hall of fame podcast and organization at large. A lot of people want that title, but this man's got it. Our second guest is the senior vice president of late night programming West Coast at Viacom CBS, where he's just launched after midnight on CBS at 1230 a.m. If you're a night owl like me and on Paramount Plus, if you're a digital streamer like everybody else, it's Mr. Longshot himself. Or if you're saying it in French, Monsieur Longshot, old Longshot Nick Bernstein. Oh, come on. It's Thank you. It's wonderful to be back with you and wonderful to see you again, Torpy. And thank you for putting as much distance as possible between between my introduction and Torpy's introduction. <laughs> thank Yes. There were such different introductions. Wait, wait, also, why? by the way, your introduction of half Filipino, half not Filipino. Yeah. It's just on the edge of anti-Semitism, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mix it up sometimes. I want to stay on the Filipino thing. Sometimes I say I'm the 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 half of the Jewish half of Jordan Farmer. Was that what I say? I don't even remember what I say. Something like no, that. I, 
The half of I, I, Jordan Farmer I, that's Jewish? I can't remember what I say. It's uh, like it, it's still lovely to be here, regardless. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> uh, you guys, uh, well, you guys know each other, yes? Definitely. Yeah. We, well, we've we've only shared uh, air once, right? I feel like we only hung out one time in person it, in Los I, Angeles. That was the most I, I met you before then, but when, our oh, hanging man, out, son of a no, no, don't honestly. It's not a. The only time that we shared real time together was at a pivotal time in your life when the Mets were in the World Series. This is what I was. They weren't. They weren't quite there yet. I think they were still playing Chicago. I think. I don't think they were. I don't think they'd gotten. Yes, the year they went the National League Championship Series. I was telling Neil the other day that I felt so bad that like you took time to meet us when I was out there to meet me really because I know you've known Neil uh, much more. But we're at this like we're best friends. We're restaurant best friends. bar catching up. Yeah, you guys are tight. We're like chatting and it's like really nice for you to take the time and we're sitting down. And I just continue to like need to check in with my Mets because Daniel Murphy was in the middle of that insane home run streak where he hit home runs in oh, six yes, games in a row. Right. Yeah. Yes. And, it, and I see him put one up in the air. And I remember just springing up from the table and walking over to the television. And it was, <laughs> I felt very rude afterwards. But I also I was transfixed. Like I needed to go see what my Medis were doing. So hold on. Yeah. Let me let me set let me let me set the table here. You were networking. You were there to network with Nick. We, well, we were out there trying to trying to sell a show. Absolutely. And I'm there to like kiss the ring. I know Nick wears the rings out there. And, and, you pay and in, the, in the middle of you guys hanging out, you are checking a yes. baseball score. Absolutely. More okay. than the score. My heart is in this game. I'm, I'm, my physical body is at the table, but my soul is, is elsewhere watching the Mets try to win and a championship. Listen, I appreciate you apologizing seven years later for this. Yes. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I wanted to do it over a podcast. I wanted yeah. to wait for the right <laughs> it's the only way. It's the only way. And I also found it very rude. So. Yes. Well, it feels like everybody's feelings are appropriate right now. At least, at least you did do the show with Nick. They bought it, and the Mets won the World Series, right? <laughs> mm. Mm. Yes, that's what happened. That's my recollection. Yeah, that's yep. my recollection too. Nick, you're a legendary name in late night television. Michael Torpy has worked a ton in late night. Nick, you famously watch every late night show every single night, which I think is insane. What is your favorite Michael Torpy late night television appearance? Outrageous question. Yeah, I uh, I liked it when you paid, played a page on Fallon. I thought that was always really fun. What did Michael Torpy? That? Is that true? Did you ever play a page on Jimmy Fallon? Uh huh. I don't think so, Nick. Did I? <laughs> what? Yeah. This could make us even. I'm really hoping he's wrong because then we'll be even. Yeah, we'll yeah. Be totally in the late even. night era, in the late night years. I don't think I ever dressed as a page though. Wow, this is this is thrilling. yeah. You had the new, you wore the new, the new outfit, the new uniform. Well, I'll tell you what I'm not going to do. I mean, I'm not going to look it up you. on your IMDb page. <laughs> no, because Neil's been filling that up with uh-uh. misinformation. There's a bunch of filth on that page. <laughs> Nick, you know, I'm going to go I with ask, you, Nick. I was just going to say, Nick, or can I can can I ask you for uh, what percentage? What percent are you certain that he played a page on Jimmy Fallon? 
Oh, at this point, I'm like 30 percent sure. Okay, it's always yeah, I'm really not that oh, sure. This is, this is thrilling. I'm not this that is exactly sure. Exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to put Nick on the spot. I wanted to turn this on Torpy. He's not really. Yeah. He he doesn't remember anything that you've done on late night. You've been on Fallon. You've been on Colbert. You've been on uh, Fallon tonight. John Oliver. John Oliver. Yeah. I've really seen you many times. Actor. I always get excited when I see you on my television. Thank screen. you, Nick. I appreciate it. The next uh, thing I have on my docket here is I just wrote down one name and I wanted to ask you guys quickly. I do this sometimes late, but I want to just ask you about one specific sports nickname. I, Nick, I don't know how much baseball you watch. We don't talk much baseball. It's always basketball between me and you. Torp, you are a gigantic baseball guy and I know that you're a fan of yeah. this player. Do you remember when uh, I think it's Chris Berman will call, would call him Carlos Delgado? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that. You Great don't? delivery on your part. No, thank you. When he did home, when he did home run, he'd swing yeah. and, and Berman would be like Carlos Delgado. Delgado. It's really good. It's a good one. <laughs> it's a good nickname. It's a really good nickname, and the delivery doesn't require you to do too much. Like it doesn't take away right. from the rest of what you're saying. He slips yep. it in there. It's a great, yep. great nickname. And it's usually tied to that big, hulking left-handed swing. He's just crushing a baseball. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Carlos Delgado. What a good Delgado name. Not appreciated enough for my money. Was that a question? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, that was the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you are killing it. Two years in, I feel like you've grown so much as a podcast host. <laughs> yeah, baby, give it to him. This guy sucks. <laughs> Ball is life. I mean, how can you say no? <laughs> this guy sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Someone listened to this and then they were like, yeah, you can come and be on our network. Unbelievable. I needed to fill time there. That really got me. Um, All right. Let's move on then. Since you guys are not happy about the Carlos Delgado thing, which here's the next question to the two of you, which, which celebrity are you certain would like you? Think about all the world of celebrities. I know there's a celebrity that you think you would be like authentically friends with. I know, I know you guys have both considered that. You both work in this field. I believe you have an answer to this question, and I would like to know what your answer is. It's a great question. Yeah, I know it is. Yeah. Um, I think. I think Theo Vaughn would like me. Oh, I don't think that's the case at all. I don't think that's I the think case so. at all. I think you we're, we're very different, and I think I would. I think we would be friends. No way. No fucking way. No. No way. No, Theo Vaughn is very. I think Theo Vaughn is cool, and he's a comedian. And I think you not being a quote unquote stand up comedian, I think you're very funny. But you not you not going up on stage and doing stand up puts you behind the eight ball right away. You think he only likes stand ups? No, I think that's a giant. I think it's a giant component to what would make him instantly like someone. I just think your answer is wrong. It doesn't matter. Yeah, no, you're not. You're not. Wrong. This is my show. I think you're right. I think you're right. I think my answer is wrong. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I I started thinking like I feel like somebody from like the Road Rules. 
Like I, I feel like some mm. I would get along friends with like a Road Rules <laughs> cast member, and he's the only name I could remember because I think he did that shit, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he 100%. did. He did. Yeah. Why? Why is it that you think you get along with somebody on Road Rules? I just think old? that like I, uh, jeez. Oh, I just think I would. I'm a yin to that yang in a way. Yeah. Right. Where. <laughs> I've got I've I feel like I've I've been friend uh, friendly or or worked well in circles with those uh, people. Yeah. A lot of the people that you are actual friends with, you could also see them being a cast member on Road Rules. Um, no, no. Yes. <laughs> Wait, hang on. Follow up question, though. Who is. Of, of your friends, who's your most famous friend? Great question. Nobody. I, no, I don't I mean, have, you I don't, have to uh, have a most, most famous, famous friend. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, that, and listen, if if you texted them, you might get a text back. Oh, uh, yeah. No, I guess it would be O'Gorman because he was a. Uh, he's but out there. But a bunch. O'Gorman would for sure text you back, Mike. Michael Gorman, absolutely. Yeah, Ted that's Lasso a guarantee. Guarantee. Did the the the. The um, true lies, true lies. That's the what I could think of. True lies on show CBS. Up. Nick, is there a celebrity you were certain would like you? Um, with certainty, complete certainty. I think uh, I'd be friends with Jeff Probst. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I get. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> I, get, I get that. <laughs> Two titans of television industry, Probst and Bernstein, uh, network family. Is wait a minute. Is is a survivor yep. on CB- there? See, it is. It is. Of course, good it job. Is. I, I think that. we'd be very good friends. Yeah, that's a good answer. I appreciate that. Do you Thanks. watch Survivor? Uh, yeah, I do. There you go. See, so I could talk about it with oh, at least a, a hint Super of knowledge. Helpful. Super helpful. Great answer from Nick Bernstein. My answer really is, good. My answer is Sarah Paulson. Sarah Paulson and I, I think, would be very. Well, I think we'd end up wow. being very good friends. Strongly disagree. No. Strongly yeah. disagree. No way. I think you would rub her the wrong way instantaneously because of your attitude and your whole demeanor, your general oh. way of being. No way. You yeah. you found one person of the opposite sex and convinced her to like you, and you married her. And I don't. I haven't seen any anyone similar to that. Torfi, back me up here. Uh, I would say uh, name another female friend you have. <laughs> <laughs> That, we that have you're to not decide. like we have to that decide. you're not blood related to or legally bound to. I'm so sorry. We have to decide <laughs> if there's a March Madness moment that can go into the first ballot Hall of Fame. To do that, we're going to go through our Hall of Fame credentials. Each of you gentlemen is going to present a moment to the other two of us. We're going to then decide. We're going to go through it. We're going to talk about it. And at the end of the episode, we're going to decide, do either of these or both of these or none of these get into the first ballot Hall of Fame? I'm very excited to do this. And I've decided at random first will be Nick Bernstein. Nick Bernstein, what is your March Madness moment? I let you pick from the entire back catalog of March Madness. Pick any moment you want. Present it to me and the council. Let's see if we can get this thing in the first bell hall thing. Okay, before I even present anything, I'm just going to say that no matter what happens today, both of our selections, Torps Mm. and mine, will be undoubtedly better 
than listening to 80 minutes about whether a long jump was legal or illegal. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. He's going for it. Nick is going There's for no it. no question An that we're going to be attack. more deserving than that. An absolute attack. I don't believe that. I think which I think the idea of which of these guys jumps the farthest is very base level and very interesting. Someone could have jumped 2,000 times in the amount of time it took me to listen to you talking about one jump. <laughs> oh, my God. What is your moment, Nick Bernstein? My moment is from the 1998 NCAA tournament. It is uh, from the first round, which is by far among the most exciting days um, all of sportsdom because you have eight games going. You have 16 games going. Sorry, 16 games. Some of the best teams in the country, some teams you've never heard of before and you'll never hear of again. If you are a betting man or interested in the little guy, this is your chance always to watch someone have a maybe the greatest moment in their lives. And it happens every year again and again. The, uh, the moment I picked is when the uh, Valparaiso University defeated the University of Mississippi in something that is so iconic that on Wikipedia, it's called The Shot. I have to immediately, I have to immediately protest. I don't believe that anyone functionally actually refers to this as The Shot. I think someone's pushing that branding, probably the folks at CBS. <laughs> I don't I, believe anyone reading... actually refers to this as The Shot. Uh, somebody does because it is called The Shot. Parentheses, Ole Miss Valparaiso. Bryce Drew beats Ole Miss at the horn. Okay. Valpo, what are you going to do? Are you just skating over all of the exciting aspects of this? No, no, I'm just setting it up for you. It please, no, no, by no, we'll all set means, it up. Okay. You feel free to step in, start presenting your case. I do have some research that can help you out, but you have the mic, you have the floor. Okay. So, uh, this is uh, a time, let's not forget where the only way you could watch this is on television. Yes. CBS had every game. Yes. So you're watching whatever game they're giving to you. And it changes, changes based on where you are in the country also. Yeah. Uh, so you're always watching the scrolling little bar. Uh, and I should probably say I, I'm presenting as the first best ballot Hall of Fame moment, the last minute of the game, not the entirety of the game. So you don't have to go back and watch every single play and talk about who didn't make shots and how bad college basketball is, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and I'm not worried about that. The most exciting part of this is when something exciting is happening, CBS changed to the game. Right. And Mississippi at this point as a four seed, Valparaiso is a little, little uh, college, is the 13 seed. Indiana, I believe they're from. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think I'd ever watched them or rooted for them in my entire life. And they're, they had been leading. They definitely gave up the lead at the end, as many of these teams do. And it's like, oh, they tried. They tried. They tried. Uh, they get the ball back. Their star of the team is the coach's son, which is a classic little Indiana college basketball moment. He gets the ball. They set up a play for him. He's a three-point specialist. 
with 22 seconds left or so, he takes a shot and misses the three. And it's like, well, all right. You know what? They tried. It was a great game. I almost had it. It would have busted a whole bunch of brackets. Uh, they have to foul Mississippi. Um, oh, no. Yeah. Well, I might be getting this wrong. They have to foul Mississippi. And the guy who is the star of this Mississippi team is the SEC player of the year. Uh, so he's a big time player. This is a big moment. This is how he seals the win. Misses the free throws. Misses both, both free throws. Misses both. Mm. Mm. So then there's now like four seconds left. Wait, on the second. Let me see this if I'm is, getting this This right. is the craziest detail. I know what you're about to say because I could not believe it when I saw it. Go ahead. So uh, they missed the second free throw. Is this what you're... This is what you think I'm about to say? No. After the first missed free throw, Valparaiso calls their final remaining timeout. Right. To try Valparaiso's to ice. down two. Ole Miss and Susise, world-class name. Legitimately, it's maybe a, a top name. 10 name oh my of God. all time. In also, we'd probably be friends. But keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Susise misses the first free throw. Valparaiso calls a timeout hoping to ice him which i get they're it's hoping like the to ice the guy yes situation they're hoping mm -hmm. to ice him because he's just missed now i'm going to make you think about the fact that you just missed this one so that hopefully you miss the second one because if you make this if you miss the second one we've still got a chance to win this game on a three-point shot but if they if they do miss the shot and give valparaiso a chance valparaiso has to go the length of the floor in two and a half seconds yep so, but, and they almost, uh, the ball careens off of the, uh, uh, off the backboard and like another second goes by. That's so right. they lose time even on the out of bounds. So then, you know, it's this length of the floor they've got to run, uh, with a play that they called something like, I'm looking it up cause I can't remember. Pacer? Pacer. It's called Pacer. That's right. So it's this incredible pass. Incredible. Uh, that's uh, from out of bounds to basically the half court line. Bryce Drew then somehow like uh, breaks free, gets like a touch pass for the game winning no time left three pointer to win the game, which... Uh, it is one of the most exciting, improbable moments that I've ever seen on TV or uh, certainly in the NCAA tournament. On a play that was designed, but they had the team had never executed before. So the first time they're ever able to get this done is in the most pressure-packed moment of everybody's lives. And... Uh, I think unquestionably, this is one of those moments that historically they still run time and again in best moments of the NCAA tournament because oh, yeah. it is oh, yeah. an absolute historic moment for that school and that that school, that family. Uh, I, I think about it all the time. Here's Ted Robinson and NBA great Rolando Blackman on the call. So now Valpo's going to have to go the length of the court, 2.5. The inbounds pass to be thrown by Jamie Sykes. Carter pressuring. It's to Jenkins, the Drew for the win! 
gone! Oh! He did it! Brace Drew did it! Falpo has won the game! A miracle! An absolute miracle! Brace Drew has done it for Valparaiso! I don't know who the... F I honestly have no fucking clue who Ted Robinson is, and I don't know how he got on this call. It's a, it's a, it is a devastating part of this that you're dealing with that call on this type of moment. It's the ear test. Does that hurt you at all, Nick? Does this hurt your argument at all, that call, or do you think it's good? Well, I couldn't hear it again that well when you were playing it. So I have no idea. Um <laughs> Nick, can I, I jump I just, in? Because I feel like we're working together here, right? Do you want to yeah. work together, Nick? Do you want to work together to try to get either of our moments in past Neil? Like, how do you want to approach this? I, I never think of us as uh, one against the other. I always Fantastic. think of us. I love it. We're love it. Torpy and Bernstein back together again. Absolutely. Oh, my God. Just fucking cracking cases. Torpy and Bernstein. Call them in here. I think that read adds to the unexpected and surprised nature of this. They didn't, CBS didn't have their big dogs work in this game. Nobody saw this coming. And that's part of the pleasure of this tournament. It's a right. moment that, nice. that, you know, like that his microphone sounds like it's not even good. Like he's not ready. And he doesn't think people are <laughs> yeah. tuning into this broadcast. Right. But then all of a sudden they're dealt this unbelievable moment. So the, the, the quality of the read and the audio and, and it just, it matches how unexpected this was. Yeah, you think about like, can you name eight different play-by-play uh, -play or teams? Sure, of course. Because oh, wait, that's teams, what they're doing. Yeah, like, right, yeah, day I, one, not, they're stretched out. I'm saying on CBS, oh, right. they yes. are Thursday and Friday, four games apiece uh, in different parts of the country. So they're using everybody. Yep. And I think, I think about this a lot. Like, you talk about... Uh, you think someone like Valpo, who certainly unaccustomed to this, uh, you've got um, a kid in Bryce Drew who is the leader of the team, but also this is the most uh, impactful and pressurized moment. And he missed. He missed the first time. And you got to shake that off. Mm. And 20 mm. seconds later, you get a second chance at that. Uh, and being able to capitalize on that, I mean, I think that is just... Uh, as Bill Raftery would say, onions. <laughs> and he'd say it just like that. Onions. He'd say it yeah. exactly like that. Yeah, he was. That was a pitch perfect that impression. Was a really good, Bill. Listen, Raftery. I don't want to do it a second time. <laughs> uh, Bryce Drew analytics here. Some stats for you. Bryce Drew, I, I believe, was the best player on the floor that night. I, re I did rewatch the entire game. Seven of sixteen from the floor. Forty-three percent overall. Eh. Three of five from deep, four of five from the line, three boards, eight assists, three steals, 22 points total. He was the best player on the court, and that includes Ansu Cisse. Well, that makes sense, but also you got to think about it this way, like seven of 16 from the floor, but who else is Mississippi guarding? That's, That's one of those That's things true. where you know you got to lock down the one star, and if you can do that, you probably advance to the second round. And by the way, like Valpo ended up in the Sweet 16 that year too, so they had like a real run. Ansu Cisse, who you already noted, missed both free throws. He misses both free throws. By the way, he had a terrible game. Um, played way under his, I think he had like 
11 and he usually averaged 18 but it was a rough go he scored most of his points toward the end of the game on free on the free throw line missed both free throws and then on the inbounds play goes for the steal leaving bryce drew open he is the reason he he goes to try and grab this baseball pass uh thrown you know across the clear across the court and is the basically the reason why bryce drew ends up being open at the three-point line I think tough that's finish for Ansu Cisse. Yeah, that's tough. But I also, uh, if you're trying to catch this as it was Mississippi that uh, that messed up there at the end, I would argue that it was Valpo that executed perfectly. Well, let's talk about that. The the uh, the guy that throws the ball in Torp, his name is Jamie Sykes. Okay. Jamie Sykes, uh, here's let me read this quote really quick. This is a press conference. Any great quotes from this moment? Yes, Homer Drew said, Jamie was a pretty good baseball player, and he made a perfect pass to Bill. Bill caught at the very pinnacle of his jump and did a touch pass to Bryce. The pass itself might be more impressive than the shot. And as a, in, to support this moment, he doesn't just throw an absolute rope as a baseball player. He really guns it. He doesn't just throw a rope. He, there's a little, and I'm sure you saw this, Nick. There's a tiny little pump fake right before he lets it go, which makes the very tall guy defending the mm -hmm. inbounds pass jump in the air. And as he's coming down, Sykes lets it go. Literally... If that guy jumps a fraction of a second later, there's no chance in hell that ball gets to uh, one of the twins, whichever twin uh, caught it, and, and then uh, let alone getting to Bryce Drew. That little pump fake made all the difference in the world, and I think that's fascinating. Now, I'm, I yeah, apologize. I'm not, I'm not as familiar with this moment. Did you say there are twins involved? Yeah, identical. <laughs> <laughs> it only identical ups. It only twins. ups the ante. Identical twins is part of my eye test. What do you think about playing against identical twins? What do you think that's like? I, I would say very unnerving, probably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it makes you, yeah, you're really concentrating on the jersey numbers more than anything at that point. Uh, yeah, they, absolutely. Must have, they must have kept the numbers very close on purpose strategically, right? I've never played against twins. Have you ever? I've never played no. against twins before. No, I don't, I don't associate with twins in any format. <laughs> Too unsettling. You played twins. You played twins in an episode of uh, <laughs> Two and a Half Men, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was it. Was camera all? It was all camera work. I refuse okay, to be on okay. set with an actual twin. <laughs> okay. Even if the, the, even if it's just one. If I know one has a twin, then I, I won't work with them. It's too much. It. It's like being around a magic show. <laughs> uh, but playing with identical twins does feel like. Um, it would be very disorienting. I wouldn't know. It would be impossible to like follow a scouting fucking report on either of those two dudes. But the wh whichever twin it was, and I'm deeply apologetic that I don't know which one it was. I didn't do the research here. One of the twins does catch the ball at literally the peak of his jump. And he hmm. catches it and basically touch passes it. It's a near perfect throw. And a near-perfect catch-and-touch pass and a near-perfect shot. It is kind of three near-perfect things in a row. I think that's the thing that makes it so cool to me is it is yeah. everything has to happen perfectly in that short amount of time in order for that school to have a chance to win. So for it to all work is unbelievable. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a real moment. I'm almost ready to get to you mad. 
I'm, I have somebody. <laughs> Let's do it right now. Let's go to you, Matt. It's time for you, Matt. I love it when someone's mad. Rob, play my camera on clip here. Wait, wait. You mad, you mad. Thank you so much. I love it when somebody's mad. It makes me enjoy a moment more. Nick, who is your submission for you, Matt, here? Okay, so just a quick setup. Bryce Drew is the one who hits the shot, the game-winning yes. shot. His right. father, Homer Drew, is the coach right. of Valparaiso. They're cheering like crazy. The one who has to be mad is Scott Drew, his brother, who's an assistant on the side, watching what I'm sure is something that's happened years and years and years and years of his brother being the one that makes the shot and is the star of the team. And he gets revenge eventually, just in general in life, by being the coach of Baylor and winning a national championship as the coach of the Baylor Bears a couple of years ago. He's like one of the great coaches in college. Is oh, that amazing. true? Hold on. Wait a minute. Scott Drew uh, won a national championship with Baylor? Pretty sure. Isn't he did the coach? Did Baylor win a national championship? Yeah, like three I years ago or something. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that's I, – I, if, if I am wrong on that, I'm going to feel 20, tw- so 2021 n- national champion Baylor Bears for Ben's Baylor. basketball. No yeah. clue. No. Scott's yeah. older than Bryce? Is it an older brother? He's slightly older. Okay, because he's, yeah, I guess if he's coaching already while Bryce is still in school. Yeah. He's like and an then, actual assistant? Yeah, on the bench. Uh, and then the thing that I also think is amazing is uh, Bryce Drew is such a hero at Valpo that um, once he does, I think he has a, a little bit of uh, success as a professional. Um, or at least plays success in success being he made it to the next level. Um, mm-hmm. But then he goes back and he coaches at his alma mater, which is like, it feels like uh, eventually a movie that you could star in Torp as the guy who comes back to coach the team that he was the uh, champion of. Hell yeah, dude. Get the funding, baby. I'm there. While we're talking about Bryce Drew's family, I found this uh, detail. And I think that Nick Bernstein TV historian Nick Bernstein would appreciate this. Bryce Drew's wife's father. So Bryce Drew's father-in-law. Do you know who that is? Did you see this? Uh, No, I skipped this. This It's going to knock your socks off. This is going to knock your socks off, Nick Bernstein. Bryce Drew's father-in-law was a gentleman. I don't remember his name. I didn't write it down. I'm deeply sorry. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. But, but, but he played. He played. He was an actor, and he played little Ricky, Ricky Ricardo Jr. on I Love Lucy. How about that? Wow. Wow. Pretty good. That's great. Torp, you were up for that, weren't you? <laughs> I did. Too little, they said. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. I hate to bring up yeah. a bad, a bad memory. All right. Okay. Can't teach height, you know? <laughs> uh, yes, I can, do. Yes, I do. Can, can we talk for a moment about playing for your dad, Bryce Drew, playing for Homer, his father, Homer yeah. Drew? Torpy, would you at all be interested in playing for your father in college? Oof, really tough. I mean, I wouldn't want. I didn't have my father anywhere near my college experience. Would have really messed everything up. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of family pressure. Yeah. I, I no, my dad was super. He was not involved in my sports career. He never coached. Um, he was like too chill. And uh, imagine though, imagine I know you had a you had a good relationship with your father. Imagine that he knew a ton about sports. Would you want to have him lording over you in college? God, definitely not in college. Definitely it's, not. That's it's great. And and Bryce Drew was Mr. Basketball in Indiana. 
He could have gone to a number yeah, of different that's places. That's intense. I, I would assume. Dad. I mean, look, I don't know the Drews personally, but just uh, the demeanor of each of these gentlemen as a coach and as a person when they're talking, they, they all seem to be a pretty easygoing, yeah, loving family. They do. So they do. I, I don't know if. Um, I don't know if that really rubbed him the wrong way. I mean, honestly, to have the uh, the capability to once again wave off the missed three, yeah, mm-hmm. and have your brother and your dad there, and they're not being like, "Way to go, dickweed" or something. They're like, <laughs> you know, they're able to sort of channel and get you back into it, and along with his teammates, like there, there's something to be said for that. I just discovered a bit of a a bit of a red flag here. Um, so I was just I was intrigued by these names. Like the the, the father's name is Homer, and then yes. he like which is which is a a character yeah. name. Yeah, and then he dials it down. and He goes like, "Hey, my fr- my son, I'm gonna name him Scott. Let's let's mellow it down." Yeah. And then he pivots yeah, again yeah, to yeah. Bryce, which is a right. bit back. You know, it's like a zig and a zag. Mm-hmm. But both Scott and Bryce, their middle name is Homer. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Wow. So he took his name Family and name. inserted it in both his children's names. That's a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. I feel like that, speak, that speaks to an intense family dynamic. And, and not to yeah. say necessarily a bad one, but that's already a very involved, like, you are carrying me with you all of the time. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I, I, I can only assume that there's a, that's a family name that goes back generations. And to keep it in the family, that must be part of it. Homer, Homer Walter Drew Jr. So he's a junior. So his father was Homer. So I guess he then was like, I don't want my kids to be named Homer. Simpsons is a big thing at this point. He must have felt some sort of pressure there to, to pivot away there from had it. To be. But it's a lot of to be. Matt Groening pressure be. for sure. Ninety-eight, it's huge, huge pressure, oh, undeniable. Right in the pocket. There's no way. Reading just a little bit about the Drew family, there's no way they were allowed to watch The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no way. <laughs> For sure. Just interesting. I'm just saying it's interesting. It is. It's a lot to take in here. Uh, and here's a quote from Homer Drew press conference. He said, quote, because I, you know, you watch the play and you see the moment. And again, I didn't remember that the the ball, the rebound careens off players' hands. And by the way, a little suspect there that it should have been Valparaiso's ball. A lot of guys that played for Valparaiso think that it should have been old Mrs. Ball. I, I don't want to, th- th- that does add to, is this just a lucky moment here that Valparaiso even got to take the shot? But whatever, let's move past that. As I watch the play, and as you see the ball careen out of bounds, Ole Miss isn't calling a timeout. They're not letting Valparaiso talk about setting a play here. I did wonder how much of this final play is luck. Did they plan this? Did they know to run pace? Or what happened? Here's Homer Drew with the answer to that question. Quote, we had always had a full court play for situations like this, but what made me so proud was the guys looked over to the bench and called Pacer. That made me feel good as a teacher. They knew exactly what to do. They knew what to run. They didn't need me to draw anything up. That gave me good peace of mind. Whether they made it or missed it, I was happy. They knew what to do. Pretty cool that you had this play, you worked on it all season, and the players knew it was time to go to this play. Because, again, the ball's out of bounds. Somebody's got to go get it and inbound the ball. The, the ref's going to put the thing on the floor and start counting to five. You got to go. You got to know what's going on. And for everyone to know what to do and to execute it perfectly, pretty amazing. That is really cool. And also, I mean, it speaks to why I love the tournament so much is that you are uh, – 
having you have these teams that were good enough to make it into the tournament, but yeah. who knows how good they are compared to the quote-unquote best teams in the country who have players who at this point and even by the late 90s, they don't play together for that long. Maybe they've only been together for that season and maybe yep. their talent wins out. But if not, it's because team wins out. And that's just based on sometimes luck, sometimes matchup. Uh, and, and that's that is awesome. Well, something that jumped out to me, uh, how do, how was Drew referring to his players? Is he calling them kids in that quote? What was he saying? Uh, good question. Um but what made me so proud was the guys looked over to the bench and called the guys looked over to the bench. Okay. So this just struck me before the idea, because the, a lot of these players are young. They're Mm -hmm. some of them still teenagers, you know, that's right. And the idea that he called a timeout to ice the player feels like psychological warfare on a child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's he's uh, he is trying to make this, ruin this child <laughs> so yeah. nervous yeah, yeah, that yeah. he fails. <laughs> That's the strategy. Like, what do you do, coach? Why did you call that timeout? I wanted the kid <laughs> to get so nervous that he would fail. That's what it was. It was absolute cold psychological warfare on a child. Just want to just just wanted to point that out. That's great. Thank you for pointing that out. And uh, <laughs> honestly, working together has been really great so far. Thanks so much. That, I'm not. I'm not. It's not. A, it's not against it. I'm not. I'm not trying to take away That's from this additive. moment. <laughs> he knows. Torpy knows me. That's additive. I do appreciate that. I appreciate a full-grown man going. I want to publicly ruin this child. This child. I want everyone to see him ruin. I want this kid to to mess up so bad because he can't handle yeah. the pressure I'm putting on him. That does. That uh, totally helps. You will never watch this play again and not think that thought with Torpy just here. Torpy, great job. You're welcome. The next credential is posterize any great images. Yes, there's a great image of Bryce Drew at the top of his jump, perfect form, elbow in, letting it go, eyes up on the rim, and right behind him is his father with his arms crossed, staring up at the play. It's pretty fucking great. If I'm a Drew member, that picture is framed in my house think yeah, about the that. twins think in about it? being part are of the, the twins no the twins visible gotta get them in there photoshop them in put an extra one in put in three <laughs> put a third one in so i don't know if you've noticed this or not but anytime dunks come up here uh. neil curses like a sailor he gets so excited <laughs> he just starts throwing out curse word after curse word and i'm like what happened to you? Because we have it's a genuine hard. conversation. And then right. as soon as the – he just mentioned posterize. There is not a dunk in this part of the thing. And he just starts right. throwing out F-bombs. First time in oh an hour or however long I've been talking. It's it's <laughs> Torpy gets that, though. Torpy gets it because Torpy knows what a dunk is. It, yeah. it fucking rips. True or false, Torpy? Yeah. Unbelievable. Oh, they do, they do rip. Keep it clean. Thank you. They do rip. They totally fucking rip. He knows okay, it. Listen. It's a double-headed guitar and a dude just going absolutely wild on it. It dunks are awesome and it's hard not to swear. I just I think a lot of people agree with me. I, I, I just think that a lot of us have uh the ability to sort of rein it in. And some of us <laughs> don't. Speaking of reining it in, burning question, Torpy, the question is to you. How unstoppable are you on campus after a shot like this? How oh, unstoppable are you on campus? Goodness. After you like this? are fuck. 
fucking floating. You are, uh, we are back in like Roman times. You are in a chariot. Your feet are not touching the ground. You have purple robes. You are in charge. You float. Oh hell yeah! Oh hell yeah, dude! <laughs> oh hell yeah! You, are, I am just, ta- I am taking homework and I'm balling it up and I'm throwing it in my professor's face. <laughs> I am unstoppable. On Sorry, unstoppable. that's not what you're doing. You're letting 100%. someone throw it to you 60 feet away and then tipping it to you and then you're hitting that oh, homework absolutely. and a ball up. Shit. What a fucking memory. If you're a college kid and you hit a game winner and beat a higher seed on the tournament uh, in the early game on a Thursday, Friday, and the, and the fucking March Madness NCAA tournament, unstoppable on campus. God damn. Well, here's the best part of that, too, is you you take that bus back on Sunday night and yes. you have hordes mm. of people oh, waiting for shit. you because they're oh, so yes. excited. And this is the first time. I mean, who knows when the last time Valpo made it to the Sweet 16 if they ever had before this. But like that is that had to be an absolute dream of a Absolutely. Sunday night. Oh, my God. I see. Big time. Uh, X Factor next credential. Nick, do you have an X Factor here? I have one I want to pitch you. But do you have an X Factor here? No, I, I feel like I've been talking a lot. Let's hear yours. The word Valparaiso. Now, mm. let me be clear for a second. You, the Valparaiso, let me give you other words like that. Chaminade, mm. Old Dominion, mm. Fairly Dickinson, Lehigh, Siena, Austin P, Coppin State, Santa. Absolutely. I, I don't know what those words are. They're not cities. I don't know what the, I don't even, I'm not even certain that they're schools. They are essentially TV show characters to me. They pop up once a year. You mentioned at the top of the episode, Nick, they pop up once a year and they basically are giant killers. Can this person, this this fucking Valparaiso thing, can it kill this giant team, this bigger, better team, this higher seed? Can it win the name Valparaiso? All those NCAA tournament names that you literally hear them once a year. You hear them in March. Valparaiso might be the best one of them all. It's terrific. It is a terrific name. I mean, honestly, like I, it's we put the entire NCAA tournament in the uh, in the hall for for those reasons. Like you throw four <laughs> letters together, like UNBC or FGCU, and it's like if you know the tournament, you know what that means, and you remember the moment mm-hmm. exactly. Valpo is right there with me. Yeah, Valpo's a great bite, one. Sh- shortening it to Valpo Torp is, I mean, how good is that? Super strong, super strong. Valpo right on the front of the jersey, really good. It's really good. Everyone knows it. It's up there for me. As an East Coast guy, it might not be as big a deal to other people, but Pepperdine was in that for me. Right. Only heard yes, about them Pepperdine. during the tournament. Right. Solid like, name. I don't know what – like, Pepperdine isn't a city. It's – I'm. they tell me it's a school. I've never seen Pepperdine. I don't know anyone that's ever been to Pepperdine. I just know Pepperdine shows up once a year and tries to knock off the team that's above them. And I think that's yeah. cool that Valparaiso is part of that. Yep. Uh, you're right there. Phenomenal totally. name. It's a lot to consider. I appreciate you bringing it up. It's a great moment. There's no doubt about it. We're going to move on. Torpy, what is your... We're going to assess both of these moments at the end of the episode. Yeah. Torpy, what is your moment? What is your submission? Which NCA March Madness moment are you trying to get into the first Bell Hall of Fame? There's so many good ones, and I think Nick and I are sitting in similar pockets for a lot of our criteria here. I'm going also with the you know uh, first game of the tournament, uh, first round game. I'm taking the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, beating 
number one Virginia. Right. Uh, the first 16 seed to ever beat a number one seed. Got it. There's two two main reasons that I that I chose this game. First being, like, we are told uh, this adage of, look, that's why you play the game, right? We're told that as, as we're growing up and we're told that to inspire greatness so that when the odds are stacked against us, we know not to give up. And it's good advice. But, but there was one instance where it just flat out was not true. And that was the men's NCAA tournament with a 16 seed playing a one seed. It, right. it was not true. The all-time right. record was zero to 135. That's right. They did not win. So this is something that until it happened, nobody thought would ever happen. My other criteria was that I wanted the team coming out on top in this moment. I wanted it to be their basketball peak. Mm. So I looked around these teams and I thought it was important that None of them go, no, no players make it to the NBA. So you, I needed to find a team where no one on that I roster see. ever played an NBA game. So right. that this moment, this moment of glory in the NCAA tournament became their absolute back, basketball pinnacle. Because right. so, many, so many of these great moments, they involve people that, though it's a beautiful moment, they're really just killing time until their pro career That's takes right. off. That's it's nice right. if they win. It's a good thing, but they have bigger goals and they are off to larger things. So I wanted to find a game where this was it. Mm. This was the mountaintop. This was uh, this was everything for them, and it, it came to completely capture their basketball careers as well. I really like that as a detail. Yeah, I really, really like that as really a detail. Good. It's a big moment, and for sh- and for sure, no one went on to the NBA. <laughs> I mean, I watched, there I was watched a guy this who, entire game and nobody went out. <laughs> oh my god, are you <laughs> going? Oh, and not to say, I mean, listen. guys from Virginia, guys from Virginia did, but nobody from UMBC. Yes, correct. They made it. To, uh, one guy made it into the G League. Uh, Virginia had six dudes go to the league. Yeah, from that team, tons, tons of from that team. Wow. Six dudes from that team go to wow. the NBA. UMBC zero. It was just such an unthinkable thing, especially in this in this game. Virginia was not just the number one seed in the East. They're the number one overall seed. Yes, true. So UMBC's record, 24 and 10. Virginia, 31 and 2. Two losses right. all year. That's right. Number one seed, not just in the East, but the, in the entire NCAA tournament. Overall number one seed. The two games that they lost, a total of eight points that they That's lost right. by. So they have been in every single game. Virginia held opponents to 53 points a game that whole season. UMBC puts up 53 in the second half. Hmm. Crazy. UMBC 20 and a half point underdog. They won by 20 points over a 40 point swing. It, it was just it's so unheard of. And that was their first tournament win ever. Can I add something to that for you? Go, go. Uh, you might remember this, Neil. I don't know. Um if you do, but when I brought up uh, on the very first time I was on this podcast, the Kentucky Derby and Rich Strike winning at an 80 to one shot, I'd asked you what the biggest long shot was in college basketball in the NCAA tournament. And it was this game. It was the yep. biggest upset, period. There you go. Yeesh. I'd like to present some numbers to you that maybe maybe they're on the other side of that coin that you keep mm-hmm. flipping around there, acting like this thing's going to waltz into the first Bell Hall of Fame. Virginia shot Virginia, the number one team that you're you're saying was this vaunted juggernaut that 
uh, UMBC mm-hmm. toppled. They shot 41% from the field in this game, 50% from the free throw line, and 18% from the three-point line. Season mm-hmm. low, season low in three-point shooting, total rebounds, assists, and points allowed. Mm-hmm. They absolutely collapsed and shit the bed. Virginia had five assists all game long. How is that even possible? I mean, it's a it's a bad total. It's not what you would, it's not what they were trying to do. I assume. Woof. Well, here's the thing: as the number one seed and the number one overall seed, if you have stats like that, uh, you're still supposed to win. You're still supposed to win the mm. game. And so to to not show up, uh, especially when you've when no one's ever lost, even though there've been a couple of close ones before then, uh, and it's not just that they lost. It's not like, oh, a squeaker and it was a great game and everybody played great. No, UMBC absolutely dominated this team. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah, like you can't – those numbers, obviously, it was a poor performance, but you have to acknowledge that uh, some of that was caused by the other team too. It didn't happen in a vacuum. You know, it wasn't just like a free throw competition. Like UMBC showed up and played a monster game and came out in the second half and just absolutely rocked Virginia and they could not recover. And the thing about that, too, is in this, sorry, in any of these games, because we've seen it before, uh, that number one seed might play terribly for 30 minutes. And then they turn around and like, OK, let's win right. this one. True. And Very true. they couldn't figure it out. And that's some of that's on Virginia. And they got scared. And it ha- it's happened now twice, I guess, because um, mm-hmm. Purdue lost last year. Right. That was a one seed. Yep, that's right. Um, but it's a similar situation in that, like, as good as you are, as good as you're supposed to be, that type of pressure getting to kids. And the other team who doesn't feel the pressure and is playing loose and is able to capitalize, like that's uh, th- that's one of the most beautiful things that can happen in sports is this type of upset. Does Fairleigh mm-hmm. Dickinson beating Purdue more recently? I don't. I don't again. I don't follow college basketball. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, an a- an amateur product. Does oh Farley God, Dickinson beating Purdue? I'm just God damn. I'm just clarifying. Uh-huh. Does Farley Dickinson beating Purdue? Does another 16 C beating another one seed? Does that help or hurt here? Um, well, before sorry, before you even jump into mm-hmm. that, Torpy, I just want to say, uh, from an amateur product standpoint, game recognized game. <laughs> <laughs> This is, oh, this is not what I invited you on the show for. This is oh, my God. Sorry, Torp. Sorry to interrupt you. No, no, no. I would make space for that any day. Um, <laughs> it only, uh, I could argue, it only happened because of this. I agree. Someone needed to break crawl. through. Right? Exactly. UMBC so, had to crawl so Farley Dickinson yeah. could learn how to walk. Oh Absolutely. God. Farley Dickinson comes in. Uh, there's, I gar- You find me somebody on that team. There's no way they weren't talking about this going into that game. Look what they did. We can do the same thing. It's 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 become inspiring for other teams. Absolutely. UMBC. All right. Months later, school uh, applications are up. Yep. After the victory, booster involvement up. T-shirt sales. T-shirt sales all up. Okay. <laughs> the president has a coffee cup on it. It says, "When you hear we can't, tell them UMBC." It has changed the identity of the school, but not just for UMBC. This, and this is the beautiful fallout for the losers here. 
Uh, first of all, Tony Bennett, great name. That's the coach of Virginia. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Classic. <laughs> Not the singer, though. I had to. I did check that. <laughs> he, he. Thank became, you for clarifying. Yes. Yeah, because I was. I got really excited for a second. I was like um, snapping right away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he handled this loss so beautifully. Okay, yeah, he like coach. He, he obviously these kids are destroyed. These are kids. Devastated. They have just completely blown it on yeah. national television. The first of all time to lose this game. He says, the situation made me take a look at a lot of things. There's no way I would have gotten this close to my team without that loss. Mm, Fast forward to the next year, Virginia. After that loss, that's when Tony Bennett put out that album with Lady Gaga? Or is that a different Absolutely. Yeah, he, no, he needed, he, he was, he was shook. He, he was shook. Okay, he needed okay. to like be like, who am I again as an artist here? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fast forward next year, Virginia, again, a number one seed. Right. They're playing 16 seed Gardner Webb. They are down by as many as 14 points to the 16 seed. Is that seed. true? It's, it is happening again. Whoa. They're losing 36-30 at halftime. Wow. The nightmare is happening again. But this coach has been through it. Some of this team has been through oh. it. They come back. They go up <laughs> in the second half. They go on a 41-14 to run. They win the game. They go on, they win the national championship that oh year. ESPN calls it the most redemptive season in the history of college wow. basketball. So everyone, after this unbelievable upset, both teams regroup, both teams benefit. Everybody learns from it. Wow. I knew, I knew, first off, that was very well done. I knew one of the two of you or both of you would use the following season's national championship to buttress this moment. I also think there's a chance that that they went from losing to a 16 to winning a national championship cheapens the national championship. Your thoughts on that? How? Uh, I mean, yeah, other, other than completely disagree. <laughs> <laughs> Why would that be the case? Because they're not they're not I mean, how much better did they get over the course of one year? Let's assume they got a little bit better or, or let's assume they got much better. I ultimately think the team like becoming this amazing team, I just don't think that happened. I think they went from losing an embarrassment to good enough to win the national championship. I don't think anyone looks at the UVA national championship season and goes, that was one of the great college basketball teams of all time. Now, redemptive, I I think you have to agree with that because they went from embarrassing loss to national championship. So it was for sure redemptive, but I don't know that I look at the team and go, man, I'll never forget the UVA national champs. Would you also argue that the uh, bubble, the bubble oh, NBA championship of shit. was just you, not really that impressive because of everything that happened in it? Censor all of this, Rob. Beep this motherfucker. Or do you, uh, do you carry that with pride? <laughs> Why wouldn't Virginia still be there? The last one standing. It doesn't matter what the year is, does it? Torpy? No, I agree. I, I, I'm not quite sure what the argument is here. It, I, <laughs> you cannot. I mean, to be honest, it's a national championship. If they're an amazing team and they win the national championship, that's great. If they're not an amazing team but they manage right. to win the national championship, that's also right. incredibly impressive. Right. Torp, do we even really need Neil? <laughs> we can carry it let's we got to carry him through the end here we got this oh thing. my god all right let, I got me, the left side. Let, let me let me let me go now here let me let me do a little bit of my work 
Uh, right out of the gate, here's a stat. Here's an analytic. Torpy left out of his stats. Interesting. UVA was unranked in the preseason. They weren't the number one seed until February, which is all I'm saying is, is that it wasn't like everybody was looking at UVA all season long going, man, these guys are unbeatable. These guys are going to be so great. I believe that if you look at the landscape of college basketball and go, it's a declining product, which I would believe any hardcore basketball fan would agree with, then I think you look at the fact that the team, this is not UNC, this is not Duke. This is a team that through the course of the season rose their way to the number one seed. I just think beating, we're not talking beating about those two teams you just mentioned. <laughs> in, 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 their, in their throughout the ACC season and tournament, but go on. All right, well, let me move on to another category. <laughs> this is the eye test. I rewatched the entire game. UMBC Virginia opened the game. They missed their first five shots combined. At the end of the first quarter, the score was nine to nine. UMBC shot three air balls from deep in the first 12 minutes. Two of their shots, UMBC, two of their back shots in the first half went over the backboard. Over the backboard. Do you hear what I'm Is saying? That bad? <laughs> that's bad? <laughs> that's way bad. Right. UMBC. I find they, it endearing, they, but keep going. No, no. They get the game tied. They get the game tied in the first half. Timeout is called. UMBC gets together. They get to draw up a play. Sidelines out of bounds play. The ball's inbounded. The kid gets the ball. He stutter steps, crosses over, then immediately travels with the ball. Thanks. Okay, this hang on. Perfect. You got to stop. Stop, 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 stop. This is such <laughs> a game, stupid premise. Was, the game was premise. so bad, guys. But here's the, okay. Yes. I'm sure it was bad. I'm not disputing that at all. The uh, You're still talking about putting people in a situation where that they have not been in ever. The entire UMBC squad and that team is playing on mm -hmm. national television for the first time against the right. best team in the country, whether you True. like it or not, whether you True. whether they started that way or not, for the first time. They've never seen each other. They, fig they knew who they were playing three days beforehand. So... Nothing really goes right in the beginning of these games unless you're drawing up your first 20 or so and you're crushing it because either talent wins out or whatever the case might be. Well, let me move to the second half. Second half, uh, I don't I don't know the player's name. I did not write it down. I'm so sorry. I don't think you're sorry at all. And oh, this God. is once again showing how much you effort you put into your own podcast. A, guy, a player on Virginia, second half, catches the ball. Perfect step back three-pointer. Perfect form. Bounces behind the line. Makes sure he's going to shoot a three. Rises up. Perfect form. Elbow in. Guide hand off the ball. Perfect flick of the wrist. Picture perfect shot. Ball doesn't even hit the net. It falls four. It's all, it falls so short. You'd have to presume that he thought the rim was either lower or much closer to him. The the corollary, the only corollary I can draw is thinking about like Hideo Nomo on the mound, ninth inning, three two count to the last batter. He does that perfect Hideo Nomo wind up and then throws the ball into the grass, like straight into the grass right in front of him. It's just a cartoonish number of horrible plays in the in through the heart of this game. Can I, I just, just want to be clear? Sorry, can I rip this full for a second, Torp? Will you allow me to yeah. have the yeah, floor go for a second? Yeah, please. Absolutely. You you're 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 trying to base this on the beauty of the game and the actual play, 
which is not what Torp is fighting for here. You're fighting for the result in the moment and what is possible in the NCAA tournament, which is the fact that a small school can elevate itself to heights never known before by just being given the opportunity to play this other team. Whatever happens within this game, he is fighting for the 16 seed winning. And if you're ready to get to the next you mad, you know who's mad at this? You want to play it again? Are we doing this? <laughs> play the clip, Robbie. Wait, wait. Mad, you mad, you mad. Thank you so much. Who's mad is like 150 million people who do brackets and pick Virginia <laughs> to go all the way and are out immediately. This is probably the first game of the day. I don't know when it was played, but it's like, oh my God. Okay, well, I'm done. I'm done because the stupid team in a place in Maryland I've never even heard of before. I thought Baltimore was a city. It's also a county. <laughs> what is this? Very good. That's a great point. Um, that's f- for sure additive here. I do also want to say in my eye test, I saw the uh, the bench of UMBC was doing these super corny reactions to the players hitting three pointers. I'm like, what are they doing? These like goofy dances and they all are doing it. Every player on the do it's like they're synchronized. And I heard Mm -hmm. in a post game interview that they all play Fortnite and they were Fortnite dances. So to be clear in this moment, again, we're assessing this game, this moment, how great it is. The players are doing Fortnite dances on the sideline. I just want to make sure. Yeah. Cause they're kids and we've just established that's the problem. Why that's is that a the problem? problem? That's the joy. Because, that's the beauty. Because kids are stupid. I believe deeply that the right corollary for college basketball is student films. The only people that go watch student films are the people related to the filmmaker or people that have given hundreds of thousands of dollars to this institution, quote unquote, in exchange for a piece of paper that will never impact their lives, generally speaking. Torpy did an entire game show. He hosted an entire game show about how terrible the college system is. College kids are bad at things. We don't watch college kids do things. And with it's with respect. It's with respect. I was a college kid. I went to college. Very lucky to go to college. Appreciate it, my mom and dad. But I was not good at anything I did while I was in college. And that's why no one paid any attention to it. Are you good and at stuff now? Barely. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Listen, I'm not saying that that college basketball doesn't help these kids somewhere down the road. I'm saying in this moment, it's very difficult for me to disassociate from the basketball that I consume constantly, which is NBA basketball. I kept watching the game assuming there will be some moment, some play that knocks me on my ass. And literally my favorite part of the game was when some player – some player for UMBC, I don't know his name. I didn't write it down. I'm sorry. He maybe he looked like a power forward to me. He catches the ball. He's completely clueless about how much time is on the shot clock. He has no idea. And the crowd starts buzzing. Oh, shoot the ball, shoot the ball. And the kid turns to the basket and just jacks up a shot. And it was such an impossibly incredible brick. It was Absolutely hysterical. And how did Grant Hill respond? Grant Hill goes, oh, I thought that was going to go in. And Jim Nance goes, almost. What the fuck are you two talking about? It was an awful shot. This is like at a peak moment of the game. 
I just, it's hard for me to separate the NBA that I see, the runs. That's the other thing is like UMBC would get up 14 points and I'm watching going, 14 points, who gives a shit? That can be gone in two minutes in one run. But I forget in college basketball, it could take literally 100 straight possessions to make up a 14-point gap. So it, it, so let me just distill the, that the past 10 minutes down. The NBA is 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 better. Professionals are better than amateurs, and that yes. bothers you. I think it. I, listen, when we're judging whether a moment's going to get in, I think it comes into account. I think the other you mad aspect, though, has to be Virginia every year because this one thing happens to this team where they're the number one mm-hmm. seed and they lose to a 16 seed, and every year. The school, the players, the coaches, the fans are terrified it's going to happen again. And it did happen again last year where they mm-hmm. were enough. They were they weren't the number one seed, but they were a top seed and they absolutely crumbled in the first round. And they lost God. to Furman, another great name great of a name. school. <laughs> yeah. uh, and they they gave up the lead. Like, I think they were winning with 30 seconds left in uh, by five or something like that and lost on uh, two crazy plays. Where they chalked up, they gave up the ball and they coughed up the ball, and uh, and Furman ended up beating them. And it's like, well, here we go again. Virginia's now got this label, that scarlet letter that nobody wants when they're a, a major conference like that, or major. You know, it started. Like it started back in 1982 when they lost the game to uh, a school you cited earlier, Neil, is one of the great NCAA tournament names, Chaminade. Yeah, mm. that's right. Mm-mm. That big Chaminade upset oh, yeah, over that's Virginia. Like a Ralph Sampson team, right? Um, I don't know. I don't know who that is. I'm sure it was. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was. I think yeah. it was Ralph Sampson. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Neil doesn't know the name of a single person of the games we're actually talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's some, some honey, some oh, yeah, fucking honeymooner too. sounding name. Torp, <laughs> <laughs> Torp, do you have another credential you want to submit here? Because I do have Devil's Advocate to move on to. I've only started. Well, I forget what you, I forget what some of your criteria are. Uh, what was interesting? Um, <laughs> the fact that this almost didn't happen. Like UMBC only won their tournament play on game play in game by hitting a three with point six seconds left. Yeah. So they like barely even made it into the tournament. Um, are you gonna ask me about sounds and stuff? Don't you usually ask about that? Oh yeah, yeah. Let's play the let's play the clip. Here's the here's. Thank the, you for remembering, Torp. Yeah. Jesus. Oh, there's also oh, a fam- there's a family aspect too, which which ties into your game, Nick. Also. The head Wait, coach, the family of, thing. Head coach of UMBC is the son of a former assistant coach of Virginia. Oh, look at that! Now his dad that's coached a, at Virginia. Wrinkle. Look at that! I grew up. He, does he also sing? Does he also sing standards, or is this? It's not the Bennett's. <laughs> ben, he does a call, he'll do. He'll do okay. some requests. <laughs> okay. All right. Here, here's the call. Torpy wanted to play the ear test. Here's the call, and the big dogs are on the fucking phone for this one. It's Jim Nance, Grant Hill, Bill Raftery. Let's listen to it together. And the greatest upset in the history of this tournament is going to happen. Sit back and watch history, folks. The NCAA tournament has been turned upside down. Incredible performance. Shock it all. And college basketball, UNBC makes history in Charlotte. Your thoughts on the call, Torp? I mean, uh, there's there's definitely some um, disbelief in his voice at the beginning. Yeah. He dials it up. 
He dials it up at the end for the buzzer. Shock and awe, I don't love. Reminds me yeah. of war. <laughs> not, a, not a huge fan. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Like, Could have done something a little bit better. He's like, ah, Blitzkrieg. <laughs> you know, not quite appropriate. But um, <clears throat> the sound, I don't have a recording of this, but there was an interview <laughs> afterwards where some, you know, brilliant reporter asked uh, the Virginia team, uh, were they aware that no number one seed had ever lost? Oh, fuck. And, and oh Ty Jerome God. responded, I think everyone is aware of that. Which I think is a fantastic <laughs> that's a response. Line. Uh, that's beautiful. It's a great response. Good but also just talks that. about how, how major that how major the moment was. <laughs> wow. Pretty good. So I don't have that uh, sound bite, but I, that's the sound bite I have in my head. It's a great, it's a great quote. Uh, I just want to play this again here at the top. The greatest upset in the history of this tournament is going to happen. That that's insane. The greatest upset in the history of this tournament. That is an insane sentence. I understand that it's sixteen one. I understand. I understand that you've given numbers to these teams. That is fucking insane. That's not true. What he's saying is not true. I want to attack this call. That's not true. That is not the biggest upset in tournament history. That's crazy. Okay, Why? so what, what's your attack? Because they're... <laughs> awesome. You know what? You had that ready Jesus. to go. Bang the are... gavel, baby. Case My closed. goodness. <laughs> Keep this all in because, I mean, you've convinced me. Torp, why do you even bring this to him? I don't know. I feel like an idiot. What a mistake. <laughs> I... <laughs> I don't have a specific example per se. To, mm. No, I look at like the like the villain like when I was growing up, that Villanova national championship was like insane. Jimmy Valvano's uh, NC State thing. Th- though you were like, I can't believe this team won the title. This wasn't game one. We're talking about Villanova beating Georgetown, beating Pat Ewing and Georgetown in the national championship game. Whatever Villanova's what the nine seed. I think there's a slight difference between greatest upset and greatest run in the tournament. I I mean, I mm. think you're I, I listen, all I'm saying is is when Jim Nance says that on a call, I go, well now you're you're conflating a little bit here. Like you're you're trying to make this more important that but I don't think because there are great runs. All I have to do is chip away at this moment. And, and I don't mean to be chipping away from it. I'm just doing my job properly. Yeah, of course. I, so, like, it's, think- and Neil, what what makes uh, something an upset? When you don't think that when the team that's not supposed to win wins. Right. Okay. And how how do we decide which team is supposed to win? <laughs> they 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 seed them. Right. Right. And then uh, if I was going to bet on the game, there would be some sort of uh, like a point spread, right? Yes. Yep. Right. So uh, these other games that you're talking about being greater upsets was the spread. Uh, <laughs> it must have been more than 20 and a half points then. But those are also no, they weren't. They weren't. Okay. That's a great point. Interesting. But those okay. were also numbers, just numbers that someone that some people made up and then attached to this thing. Oh yeah, it's all arbitrary. How dare you bring yeah. up arbitrary <laughs> things like specifics and numbers? Numbers. I'm so sorry for bringing those funny Stats. numbers back in. Oh. <laughs> all right, it's, it's time for the devil's advocate. Here I come. Here comes Neil. Noted NCAA basketball curmudgeon, Neil. Uh, devil's advocate. This is when I get to you know point. Look at the other side of the coin here. 
UMBC, they blow them out. They blow them out by 20. There's no like buzzer. There's no like moment. There's no like singular moment. Specificity matters. They win by 20. This isn't like, there's no buzzer beater. It's how dare you pick an NCAA tournament moment where it isn't some 18 year old kid running down the court full speed and just jacking up a shot. That's ba- mm-hmm. NCAA basketball to me. They blow them out. I think that definitely hurts this moment. Also, there's no strategic advantage here. This isn't Princeton backdooring the hell out of Georgetown and almost beating them. There's no coaching masterpiece here. They're not going, oh, UVA is so good at this, so let me just start doing this. They just got way hot. UMBC got hot in the second half. Hats off. You did a great job. But it's not like there was like some genius moving the pieces and, and, and making this all happen. Let, let me keep going. One of the guys on CBS after the game goes, this is the miracle on ice. This is Tyson Douglas. No, it's not. Virginia isn't Duke. Virginia is a fucking Russia. Miracle on ice is fucking Russia. Russia was like so fucking dominant. Virginia is not fucking the USSR in hockey, college basketball. It's insane. And then here's the big one. DeAndre Hunter, the best player on Virginia. The guy that left that team and has had the best NBA career, DeAndre Hunter, does not play in the game. Virginia's without their best player. That's true. Uh, Even with the injury, with that injury, uh, they were still head and shoulders favorites. Uh, The point spread represents the injury. It didn't happen like walking into the game. didn't happen during the game. That's all you need. All of those numbers are are still accurate. um, And... you know, I think your bias against college sports is it does show here, and I I actually agree with you on a lot of this. I do Thank think you. our Thank country's so fascination with college sports is unhealthy. Um, right. It is a unique thing to our culture to put so much uh, importance on kids playing sports. That's so right. I, I I do think that the <clears throat> our focus is uh, it's a uniquely uh, American thing that we do. Um, you're saying that these comparisons aren't. Uh, accurate to compare to these other upsets, but it absolutely is accurate. You are putting all of these things in the same boat. The program at Virginia, uh, you keep saying it's not Duke, even though they beat Duke uh, multiple times that year. It is a major, major division one program with a ton of money behind it. It is a different animal than the program at UMBC. These are different things. That what those kids are expected to do with their days is completely different. The support systems on both those the programs facilities, completely yes. different. It is like the U.S. putting their college kids against the Russian pros uh, in hockey. That is the different world that I these see. kids exist in. I see what you're. That's a good. That's a good angle. Very smart. Good angle. I don't know if it's going to make a difference, but it is a good angle. Uh, the X factor. I do have an X factor. I'd like to submit to both of you. I don't know if it's going to help the case, but I would like to present it. Everybody knows what everybody knows what an X factor is. There is a moment in this game where Jarris Lyles, who is the player for UMBC, I know his name. I wrote it down. Jarris Lyles had the best game uh, for UMBC. He had. He played 39 minutes. He was 9 of 11 from the floor, 3 of 4 from 3, 7 of 9 from the free throw line, 4 boards, 3 assists, 28 points total. Jarris Lyles, great game. He is cramping towards the end of this game. It is clear he's on a hot one. It's clear he wants to stay in the game. It's clear he wants to help UMBC topple. 
the number one seed Virginia in the first time in NCAA tournament history. They call a timeout, take him out of the game. What do they do to get Jairus Lyles back into the game? There's a trainer working on his leg, and Jairus Lyles has one of those. I don't know if you saw this in the game. I doubt anybody watched the entire game. Jairus Lyles is taking one of those orange peanut butter and cheese crackers, like the, those Austin joints, you know what I'm talking about? And like in the oh, plastic yeah. Austin. He hell is yeah. taking one of those, and he is wiping it on his tongue. Amazing. To get this, I I presume to get the salt off. Yes. Yeah. Somebody wow. was like, get the Austins out of the bag and let this kid lick the top of it. What do we, coach? Do we need the full sleeve? Am I getting all six or should I just get <laughs> no, the top no. one? How many do we need here? Just, just one. Just get him all right, one. All right. All right. Do they? That's how. So you're saying that UMBC doesn't have electrolytes anywhere else and they went back to salt. Back to Maybe, the original salt. Is there is there a path where there is some sort of uh, biomedical, uh, you know, scientist at UMBC who has uh, 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 perfected the rehydration system that is licking the top of an Austin uh, a peanut butter and cheese cracker? Maybe someone's figured out the, the the most effective way to do it, and they have this, and that helped them all season long get to this point, point and end up winning the game. Would that not help this moment? Yeah. I'm just trying to help you guys out. I it's saw a guy amazing. licking be amazing. a cracker. Yeah. I mean, and nowadays, he would be sponsored by the Austins. For sure. Oh, that's major NIL money. Absolutely. Yeah. Shit, yeah. Can you can you imagine that? And can you imagine walking into the Austin fucking conference room to get to licking sign one? that paperwork? Oh, just licking, shit. just licking away. Oh my god. <laughs> Game winner. Oh my god. To me that speaks also again cuz like obviously that does not go on on the Virginia bench. Like they've got their own <laughs> right, right. Like each yes. player probably has a water bottle with their name on it and it's been right. perfectly calibrated for their biological makeup and like whatever yeah. helps them the most mid game. And UMBC is just licking cheese crackers to try to not cramp up. <laughs> it, it's, it, it's a real underdog story. Phenomenal. Austin crackers. Uh, th- let's move on. The, the next credential here is test of time. I'm going to both of you. Hmm. You Nick, you presented Valpo over. Mississippi. Yeah. Yes. Torpy. You went UMBC over Virginia 16 over one test of time is when we compare these moments against other moments like in history why don't we compare these two moments is there a consensus here of which of the two of your moments are better i'll let you two debate it they're very distinct because they're they they both hinge on the best moments of the tournament which are buzzer beaters and upsets um nick yours has both yours is a buzzer beater and an upset um and yours is historic yours is also historic. historic yeah and right. has no, it was are... never done until then. Um, I would I would just say that uh, it's we have given you an opportunity to celebrate <laughs> both things that you like to celebrate in the Hall of Fame, which is specificity in a singular moment, which is mine, right. and uh, what can happen in a game, regardless right. of the entirety of the game and how much you enjoyed watching it. It's the result right. of it. It's the right. sum total and what it meant mm-hmm. to the university. Uh, and the mm-hmm. sport and the tournament yes. in general. Right. The belief that this can happen again, 
That's what it, it is. It redeeming that, that's the that, UVA team. It it it, it is that, that you're right. It is they they are from two different angles. I do appreciate that. This the the fact that both teams end up uh, emotionally whole after this massive defeat, I think, is very important mm-hmm. and speaks to the fact that these are still very young adults that are working through this, and this and this beautifully named coach Tony Bennett knew how to handle it and set these kids up to come back next year, find themselves in the exact same position, know what to do when they were down, not let the moment get too big for them and carry it through to a championship. And I can only assume that UMBC taunted Tony Bennett by singing for once in my life as they left oh the oh, auditorium. Jesus out there. Christ. Yeah. Oh my God. I don't have tape on it, but I've got to assume that. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> if, if what about if you two, uh, uh, stop ducking my question and answer which of these two moments you think is better. Torpy, which of these two moments do you think is better? Well, I I mean, I, I gave you my criteria for why I chose my moment. I okay. think it's important okay. that it be a pinnacle for those involved on the winning okay. side, that it be there okay. the the top of their basketball careers um, in it. order for it to be really important to them. Got it. And, it. and it really be something that captures the college tournament. Nick. Which of these two moments is better? Well, this is the great thing about these moments is we're both talking about the first round. And in the first round, 32 teams win. And so I don't see why you have to choose one or the other. You don't have the 16 seed playing the 13 seed. They can both go through. That's true. They can both go to the second round. Okay. I want to be honest. If If there was a consensus, I was going to eliminate a moment right out of the shoot. So you guys did a great job. We're going to keep going on. But before we do that, Buckle up, gentlemen. It's time for a new segment called Odds on Favorite. Robbie, play my new theme music. Thank you so much. Gentlemen, I'm about to ask you for your favorites. I think we learn a lot about a person when they tell you their favorite something. I've got an odd group of categories. I need your favorite in each. It's Odds on Favorite. Are you both ready? Can't wait. Ready. Michael, you tell me you were a phenomenal baseball player in high school. Nick, you tell me you're a legendary weekend warrior on the basketball court playing in noted Hollywood basketball leagues. I need you both to tell me your own personal favorite moments in your athletic career. Nick, why don't you get us started? Your your favorite personal moment from your athletic career. I think you're going to more important me, so I'm not answering this. Oh, oh! <laughs> oh my God. Oh, my shit. God. He fucking <laughs> sniffed it out on you. Holy shit, Neil. You no, no, no. Got I will yeah, cut him hell. off go before you get it out. sniffed so bad. Oh, my God. I'm fucking... so sorry we don't have time for Nick's this, answer. Because this fucking table is just turning. something <laughs> more important it's america's favorite podcast segment it's called more important listen i don't make the rules people love this segment it is what it is uh i'm about (laughs) to ask you both (laughs) a series of questions we're going to alternate between the two of you your answer to these questions will be the most important thing you've ever said on recorded history are you guys ready for more important always michael twerpy What's your diner order? I know you're a big diner guy. You sit down at a diner. What's your diner order? Um, if I'm going to a diner, my go-to order is a tuna melt. Tuna melt wow. on rye, um, American cheese, pickle, 
no slaw. Um, right. It depends on if they do a slaw. I don't want a mayonnaise slaw. If they do a vinegary right. slaw, I'm in. Got it. Um, French fries. fries. So you're doing French fries. Okay. Absolute French fries. Absolutely. I was. I, it's going to be diner fries. I was going to say seasoned fry, but they're not doing that right, at the yeah. diner. No, 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 they're not. Yeah. <laughs> Tuna melt on rye, American cheese, pickle, Great. vinegar slough if they have it, French fries. Great answer. Nick Bernstein, name a college basketball player with a great name, and Torpy and I will judge if it's great. Torpy and I together will judge if the name that you're about to say is great. Uh, the first one that comes to mind is not going to be fair. It's Carmelo Anthony. Oh, I'm sorry. I think name. it's no. I think it's a great fucking name. I mean, it's a okay. great fucking great name. Because it really meant a lot to me. Name. Yeah, of yeah, course. It's major. Of course, major name. That's a great answer. Yeah, uh, Michael Torpy. Name one actor you're certain you could beat up in a fight. It's got to be a child actor. Um, <laughs> I'll say. Oh, not really. Child. Uh, Elle Fanning. I feel like I could take her. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, well, she brings Dakota in there. Forget it. On. That's true. On no, one. I mean the one-on-one. I'm not. I'm not going to fight two right. people at once. I believe you. I believe in you. Do you want to change you. so it's not a woman? No, no. <laughs> That's on brand for his acting. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's all right. Look, you did. You just. Well, I wanted to get this one right. I really tanked the Theo Vaughn one. I wanted to make sure there's somebody I could actually beat. Nick Bernstein, who do you believe is a totally underrated dunker? Uh, Kyrie, based on like two weeks ago. I didn't. Why didn't he? I must. I missed it. Yeah. Did he have a great dunk. Yeah. Oh man, I'll have to look it up. Uh, Michael Torpy, best store bought candy bar. It's got to be a candy bar that you can get in the store. Best store bought candy bar. What are you going with? Take five is a monster bar. It gets slept on a lot. But they it's just got in the lab. They got in the lab and they were like, let's put together the five best things and make a candy yeah. bar. Yeah, it's like analytics. Um, yeah. But then there's something wild about biting into a Butterfinger, baby. There's something <laughs> a little crazy about it. Uh, nobody knows how they're made. Nobody knows what's really in there. Right? No, it's, uh, it's very unclear. It's right. very unclear. Right. I'm going to go Butterfinger. Butterfinger. That's a great wow, time. Man. That is a wow. great Butterfingers. Time. It's just a crazy time. Really good. It's, it's like breaking into shards. <laughs> it's just wild. Oh, Neil, I, I, uh, I appreciate your uh, defense of 100 grand. I think that's a really underrated bar. You, uh, wait Let a minute. Here. What's the 100 grand? Wait. Do you, Isn't that yours? Have you, heard me, have, you said, have you heard me say that? Have I said that on the show? I'm pretty sure. Oh, I, maybe I, I just have. made it up. I'm pretty sure. No, no, no. I, I do. I love hundred grand. I can't. Yeah. I mean, first off, if I said that on the show and you remember it, that's insane. If I said it in real life and you remembered it, it's also crazy. What's in the hundred grand? What's in a hundred grand bar? It's a caramel heavy. It's <laughs> Car- caramel. <laughs> but I thought that was funny, by the way. Caramel heavy. It is a caramel, caramel heavy, heavy candy bar. It also has the crisped rice. Got Chocolate it. So coated. it's like it's like somebody took a uh, uh, Nestle's Crunch Bar, turned it into a cylindrical prism, and then yeah. filled the middle with caramel. That's right. Also, I just okay. appreciate at this point, it's not a million dollar bar. It's a hundred grand though. Hundred grand. It's a hundred grand. I say no more. That I could not agree with you more. I also think the label on that candy Very, bar yeah. is phenomenal branding on that on that label, and it helps me enjoy uh, the moment when I open it up and eat it. Yep. Very consistent branding. Uh, let's let's move on. We got to move on. We're in more important here. The music's playing. The guitars come on. Sorry, time we're taking down. I think the music Nick, ran out like ten minutes ago. No, no, no. Can, Rob, so Rob just loops that baby. Oh, okay. Nick, He's a Nick Bernstein, best sports branding. Maybe I've asked you this. I don't know. I can't remember. I didn't do the research. 
Maybe I have, but I love the question. What is the best sports branding? We're talking about logo, name, color palette, the way it looks in a satin starter jacket, uh, uh, helmets, ball caps, best sports branding. You got to pick one team, best sports branding. What is it? Yeah, I know, I know you love the Dolphins. I really, I um, go back and forth on this on the 90s Chicago Bulls, I think is still like, oh, that's the fuck. one. Oh that's my the really one. God. I have long said my, a, a really healthy portion of Michael Jordan's greatness is tied to the colors of the Chicago Bulls. Really good. Imagine Jordan, imagine Air Jordans, which is undoubtedly a gigantic part of Jordan's greatness. Imagine a, uh, uh, the 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 initial Jordan ones being in some sort of crazy color the black the white and the red for sure matters a great Just answer fits. to the Chicago Bulls yeah I also love that they're not fucking with that bull that bull goes everywhere across decades on alternate jerseys that goddamn bull face is killer it's good absolutely absolutely question for both of you at the same time more important do you think top gun maverick should be in my top 10 favorite movies of all time in my yes. personal top 10 totally 100 percent. yes it's really strong it's so good. it should it be you. in your your personal top 10 definitely because it gets you jacked up and i just oh feel like you need God. you need that stuff to keep going it is Ugh. the most rewatchable it seems like you must be, have been on a plane a lot because that is an incredible plane movie Oh my god! That's, that's what, what I just said. said. I just said that to him. Dorby just said and he it. was killing me on it, and I said, "Well, I'm sorry. It's a plane movie. I watched it on a plane. It felt <laughs> it's very so appropriate. good on a plane. I've watched it like four times on a plane. Yeah. Anytime it's available, movie. I'm like, I'm just gonna watch this. Yeah. Because I love it. And you're doing the thing they're doing. <laughs> yeah. I go like this. I'm like this. Yeah. In my seat. They let they let you pretend that the t- tip down tray is the stick and you can push it around. <laughs> they is don't that tell true? you. Yeah, they don't tell you stop. They let you do it the whole flight. So hold That's on. Right. If you're if you're on a Delta like a 747 yeah. and you're landing and they're like put the tray tables up to their locked position. You yep. can if you're watching Top Gun Maverick, you can keep it down and act like that's the the controller joystick. Yeah. That's fine. You have to point wow. at the screen, let them know yes, what you're sir, doing. Madam, so they can see. Please, just, yeah. I, you don't I to, understand. You just, you just point, mm-hmm. but allow me to just, show you. Wow! Mm-hmm. And they just—they're like, "Oh, got it, got it," and they apologize. That's very cool. Sometimes the you, captain comes back, gives you a quick high five, and then that's it. <laughs> is that true? Wait a minute, has that yeah. happened to you? Or are you doing a bit? Is that a joke or is that true? That's not a joke. One bit. I was in there in the airplane <laughs> pretending to fly, based on what was happening in the movie. Yeah. Word got out. Okay. Right. So Next well, thing I know. <laughs> The captain right next to me, watching me and telling me, "Good." He's like, he's in my ear, and he's like, "Good job, good job." That's what. Yes, that's how you. I would do it, and I'm a real pilot. The co-pilot hit auto, took out his guitar, and goes, "Absolutely, absolutely." They really support people doing that. Wait, to to be clear, you didn't like tell people to watch you. Someone noticed you doing it. Yeah. And went and told I, I think the they pilot. Were, I think they were all like, because people started talking like, wait, are you a pilot? I see how yeah, you're moving right. your hands around yeah, and yeah, it really yeah. matches up with what's happening on the screen. Right, right. And I said, I'm not, a, I'm not a pilot. I'm just, I'm very good at this. I'm, just and I'm in very this right into this now. movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. watching it because I'm on an airplane and the movie's about an airplane. Where were you flying to? I was flying to Honduras. How you were? You're going to Honduras. That's yeah. the... 
Oh, for wow. a, you were going amazing. for a two way football game, right? On the beach. Yeah. Yes. That's why yeah. you were going there. Yeah. I, my, I was already, my shirt was already off. I was already <laughs> lubricated. That, that is, and you're, and you, I just want, again, I want to be clear. I want to clarify something. You're, everything you're saying about the pilot coming out and whispering in your ear and telling, like, commending you for how you were doing it, mm-hmm. that's all good job. real. Yeah. You're, yes. you're not joking. That's not a bit you're doing. No. You're being real about no. it. No. He was amazing. right next to me. He said, yeah, really okay. Amazing. Oh, wait. Yep. That's exactly how I would have done that, it. And I'm a pilot. Yeah. That is very, very cool. Okay. It was a cool uh, moment. Important. I'm not going to lie. I felt good. Yeah, I bet. I, I feel bet. good right now just hearing you tell yeah. that story. <laughs> it's, Getting it's the really approval awesome. of an airline pilot feels amazing. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. those people fly those planes. They they yep. take off. They land them. They see yep. all sorts of stuff up in the sky. And then they right. look at you. I'm just a person. And they're like, I approve. Feels great. Yeah. What airline? And then before, before he yeah. left, he gave you an extra bag of pretzels, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah he said, he awesome. said like, you can, he said, you can hang out. Like they cleared the plane out. And he's like, Is that true? you can hang out. Yep. He's like, take did your you time. Did you do it? Did you do it? Or yeah, did you absolutely. Go off, like, into Honduras. Watch the whole movie again. You did in the plane. Ran it back. Ran it back. Right in the plane. Ran it back. Was From the three top. and a half hours late. <laughs> but worth it. They said, look, he said, take your time. I was like, all right, he's the captain. Unbelievable. That's yeah. really cool. Did it you see really Stay no, in the same seat or good, switch seats? Yeah, I know. I had a good thing going in that seat. Good feel. <laughs> yeah, the bet, the stick bet. felt good. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. That matters. Mm-hmm. That shit matters. And I and I want. I believe you. I believe everything you're saying right now. Well, yeah, I I am telling the truth. That's a true story. Uh, Michael Torby and Nick Bernstein. Last question. And I want you to name something that really kicks ass. Uh, Torp, why don't you go first? Name something that really kicks ass. <sighs> Golly, something that really <laughs> kicks ass. <laughs> Mm. Um. Jeez, what kicks ass? What he won't waltz into. He just won't ass. waltz into an answer like this. You see how seriously he's taking this? He won't waltz into an answer like this. He takes this serious. It's more important. Do you need? Do you need me to start, and then I'll so you can think for an extra second. Um. No, I think I got it. Okay. <laughs> you know what kicks ass when you when you're at the beach. And you dig a hole, and you got like yeah. your whole buddy in it, except the head. <laughs> and it looks like it's just normal beach. You got you got the rest of the sand, nice and even. But then you got your buddy's head sticking out. That kicks ass. That kicks ass. <laughs> that kicks ass. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about flat sand. You're talking about normal yeah. looking beach all the way up until the point that you see a human head. Yep. You got it yeah, super oh, smooth. Uh, Maybe you even, you might even put like a picnic <laughs> basket on, you know, right close to it or something. Right, to really throw right, somebody right. off. <laughs> that that really ass. kicks ass. That really kicks ass. What a great answer from Michael Torpy. Nick Bernstein, name something that really kicks ass. <laughs> Good God, that's a tough one to follow. <laughs> All right, season, the final season, episode three of Game of Thrones, when Arya jumps out and is thro- caught by the Night King, and she's got a her <laughs> knife in one hand, she lets it go, catches it in the other, and kills that dude. That's a monster uh, never, moment. N- never seen it. That's nerd shit to me. Uh, but I oh, do appreciate the moment. answer. I My favorite part of this exchange is that 
When Torpy thought of that, he could have gone, this will be brutal to follow. So I should go second. Let me hand it off to Nick. But he didn't. He got so excited about his own answer that he had to move <laughs> it was forward. a terrific answer. It was a terrific answer. This is the best. Neil, you know, uh, you asked me this question once before on the podcast. And it's, I think about it all the time now. And I'm like trying to keep a list in my head of things that kick yes. ass. That's what we should do. A hundred percent. Okay. Uh, let me, sorry. To- let me, wait, before you do that, before you do that, I just want to uh, preface this by saying, oh, can I send this in the, so the reason this Aria moment is so great is because as soon as that <laughs> moment ended, uh, I was on Instagram and I was sold a shirt that says Aria as if it's the Air Jordan style. And instead of Jordan in the air, it's Aria in the air with the knife. That's cool. Oh, man. It's cool. really cool. I haven't oh, seen done. that nerd shit, but that does sound like a cool, it's cool uh, way as to hell. use that nerd shit. I'm going to copy the link and put it somewhere. <laughs> it's time for the cosign. The floor is yours. Michael Torpy, we're going to start with you, co-host of the First Bell Hall of Fame podcast. Which of these moments, either your UMBC over Virginia or Nick's Valpo over whoever the fuck they played, I can't remember. Which of those Mississippi goes God. Mississippi, right? Yes, right. I know another no, great important. front of another great nickname too, like the Ole Miss yeah. Palpos are solid, solid. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, the Ole Miss on the helmet or the jersey that and that script, beautiful, beautiful mm-hmm. stuff. Anyways, mm-hmm. which of those it's moments? Like, it's like it's like mildly racist. Like it looks a little that's racist true. on the football fair, jerseys. That's fair. Yeah, 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 like yeah. A little, there's like a little <laughs> bit of Confederate energy there, like just a scooch. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Good note. Uh, <laughs> which of oh, those moments goes into the first Bell oh, Hall of Fame? Mississippi. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I got to take mine. Nothing against uh, Nick's moment is great. Wow. Buzzer beaters are our classic wow. NCA moments. It's it's what people tune in for. They want to yeah. see games come down to the wire, and that's that is the unfortunate thing about the UMBC. Uh, Virginia game it does not come down to the wire it is over with like seven eight left it's it feels pretty clear this thing is not going to turn around but it is uh, a real world David versus Goliath underdog moment a team doing something that has never ever 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 been done before yeah and that is what we tune in to see when we watch any competition right. we tune in to see things that we've never seen before to be surprised and to have wonder restored and, and be reminded that we don't truly know how anything is going to work out. We hear that phrase, that's why you play the game. And it finally really came uh, to fruition in this moment when something that uh, had never happened before played out in front of all of us. Uh, that is why you play the game. You never know what's going to happen until the clock starts, you lace them up and you get out there and play. Um, and this has now continued on, and it is a rallying point for every tournament team, every 16 seed moving on throughout history, and every underdog. They can point to this moment and say, they did it. Why not us? A fine, fine job by Michael Torpia. Fine job. Nick, the floor is yours. Cosign. Does uh, one of these two moments, or both of them, belong in the first bout Hall of Fame? Valpo over whoever they played, or UMBC over Virginia? I mean, it just really makes me mad that you keep on saying this, even though we know Ole for Miss. sure who Miss. they play. I forgot. Yes. So, listen, I don't subscribe to the idea that only one deserves to get in. I think both deserve to get in. I think you're looking at uh, a moment in the Valpo shot that is uh, 25 years later or so, still very much burned in the memory of people who love the tournament. And even if you don't, you've probably seen it in 
one of the one shining moment uh, over yeah. and over again uh, time capsules that that encapsulate why everybody loves this tournament. Um, and in UMBC, it is the culmination of decades and decades of small teams being able to fight no matter what their seeding is and believing and then executing in the game. Uh, ultimately, what you all hope to see, which is uh, the underdogs winning, which I think across all sports is uh, the most exciting thing you could possibly watch. Thank you both for your time and, and all of the work that you've put into this. It's time for the induction speech. That's when I, Neil, get to decide what goes into the first ballot Hall of Fame. This is my organization. This is my Hall of Fame. I get to make the decision. I'm going to do that right now. I'm going to take everything both of these gentlemen said into account. But ultimately, this is my decision to make. Listen, let's take the UMBC versus Virginia game first. The game was very bad. I will not hear otherwise. I appreciate that a 16 seed beat a one seed and that that is inspiring teams forever. It's it, it inspired Fairleigh Dickinson to beat Purdue. So it's already happened again. I'd prefer if it had never happened again since. I'd prefer if it was really difficult for it ever to happen again. But I believe it will continue to happen because I think it's a lot like scoring in the NBA. Scoring in the NBA is flying through the roof, and I don't think people care about it. Did you know that Devin Booker scored 70 points? Did you know Donovan Mitchell scored 70 points? Did you know Joel Embiid scored 70 points? Did you know Luka Doncic scored 73 points? Everybody's scoring 70 points because the game is completely different. The game has completely changed, and now the 16-1 dynamic that we grew up with and loved and couldn't believe we were watching, it's completely changed. The game has changed. The platform has changed. It means less. It meant less when FDU beat Purdue, and it will mean less when it happens again in the next five years. This is not a moment that gave birth and rise to other great moments. It's the change. We're watching the changing of the game, the de-evolution of college basketball. It's sliding down a hill. There's student films. It's a great moment. I appreciate what you went through. It was a, a, a strategic and tactically well-played performance by Michael Torpy, as always. And a great moment. My hat's off to UMBC for winning that game. You keep your little banner over your gym saying you beat a one seed, but you're not going into the first Bell Hall of Fame. Now let's move on to Valpo versus Ole Miss. Bryce Drew. A near, a crazy finish to the game. Spurs. A pump fake that makes the difference between a successful world-class pass and no pass whatsoever because th the guy guarding the ball is huge. He's a mountain. The pump fake makes all the difference in the world. Then he laces a perfect pass. The, the One of the twins, one of the identical twins, jumps up in the air. at the, Like Dwight Clark at the top of his leap, he catches the ball and touch passes it to Bryce Drew, the son of the head coach who used to be Mr. Basketball in Indiana, and now he's playing for Valparaiso. Valpo. He lets go of a game-winning shot that grazes the hoop and bottoms out and beats 
Ole Miss, who is the what, three seed or four seed, Nick? They're a four seed. Four seed. A great shot. A great moment in NCAA tournament history. But it doesn't really move me. It doesn't really move me. I don't care. I think it's great. But there are so, there are so many other moments that you could have walked in here and played that I there's no chance in the world that we aren't all geeking out about it, that we aren't going, holy shit, what a great moment. Play that again, Neil. Nobody's doing that. The play, the play, the announcers, it's 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 fine. It's a great tactical basketball play, but it doesn't mean anything to my life. It doesn't move me. It's a great play. Bryce Drew, Homer Drew, Steve Drew, Chris Drew. The guy that played Ricky Ricardo Jr., my hat's off. Great play. But your moment's not going to the first Bell Hall of Fame. This was, a, this was a fool's errand. I mean, this guy loves nothing errand. more. Nothing more than to bring his closest friends on. And yeah. let's be honest, listeners, <laughs> we're his only friends. Yep. We're and I don't know only what this two is. people. I don't, I don't know like where him. you are. I don't know what the, where you are in the edit in the episode right now, but we've been here for seven hours. <laughs> I've I skipped work for this. Yep. I, I my show's only been up for four weeks. They need me right now. Yeah, you and I you was like, real... I have to I have to talk about this NCAA basketball game, which I thought is one of the great moments of the last twenty five years, but apparently. It, oh, it's not a great wrong. enough to move Neil. It needs to move yeah. Neil. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. You guys, you guys, I'll be honest. At, at, at halftime, you guys had me. I'll be honest. I made some mistakes earlier when I didn't have any specific moments that I could put forward as evidence of, of something that would be better than whatever I was arguing against in the moment. In this spot, I want to say to me, I would have preferred. Here's a moment that I would have preferred one of the two of you pitched to me. Kansas played Prairie View AM. Kansas was the one seed. Legendary program. Kansas. Now get the right? hell out of here. Does you anybody remember when this Jason, game? Hold yeah, on. Yeah, I remember it. No, no, no. Kansas, I'm not letting you talk. Seed. I'm not letting Torpy you talk. Doesn't Do you know what happened, Torpy, Torpy when Rob Jason Gallagher. <laughs> Don't be so mad. Torpy, Kansas was the one seed. They played Prairie View AM. They were the 16th seed. Do you know what happened in this game? Uh, I know that Kansas won. Kansas won by 58 points. They absolutely throttled them. They crushed Prairie View AM. Prairie View AM gets destroyed by Kansas by 58 points. The biggest blowout win in NCAA tournament history. One seed beating 16 by 58. Mm-hmm. Now that kicks ass. Looking at the little guy and being like, fuck you, I'm going to stomp you out like a cigarette. That's killer. That's the type of attitude that fits into the first Bell Hall of Fame. I appreciate what you guys did. I think you did that a great job. Categorically untrue. Sorry, <laughs> that is not true. If we came over here and we're like, "Hey, how about this? Remember this great fifty-eight point win?" No, no nobody does. You're wrong. That is, that I is so it. stupid. 
You don't remember it. You just looked it up. You're probably looking at it right now. You're typing in right now. I hear you. That's not true. Clickety clack. Most pointless game in NCAA history. Guys, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Do you? Do you appreciate any of it? I don't think you appreciate any of it. You you show it in a weird way. What What are you working on? What can you plug? How can people follow you? I don't know. I don't know. I spent all my time doing this. I have nothing. I just, my kids just went to bed without me. I feel like I really, a failure on the night. I told them I'd be done in an hour and a half. Been up here for almost three hours. Yeah, I, no. I missed what dinner. What can I plug? Yeah. I have 150 emails to reply to. I, uh, I haven't watched any cuts of anything that I'm supposed to right now, all because Woo. I was confident Valpo's game-winning <laughs> shot was going into a fake Hall of Fame. <laughs> what time do you eat dinner? It is very real. I try to eat around 6 o'clock. Thank you for asking. Thanks for yeah. showing any bit of appreciation or care in a friend. I I, I didn't have dinner either, and I so I'm about three hours Oh, my God. Yeah. You've yeah. made him stay up until the wee hours of the night. It's almost time I'm, for SVU. Absolutely. I'm malnourished. Lord knows what my DNA will, uh, you know, provoke me to do. Oh my gosh. Well, this was great. This was so much fun. I'm so glad I did this again. Yeah. Thank you for guys guy, so much for being on For a guy show. who says ball is life. You, you got a big blind spot here, pal. Yeah. No, next time I'll bring, uh, I don't know, like a... <laughs> A junior high game that I found a clip on on House of Highlights or some bullshit. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. Hey, look at this. This seven <laughs> this year old has such a handle. Let's put that in the hall. No, no, no. It needs to be. We got to find an AAU team that beats someone else by a thousand. <laughs> that's be like, yeah. yeah, that's uh-huh. basketball, that's- baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of sore losers on the other side of this. I'm sorry, guys. My Damn right. Gonna Damn stand. right. My decision's going to stand, but I do appreciate both of you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for being on. You're welcome. That's it. That's the show. A long one. My thanks to old long shot Nick Bernstein. Check out After Midnight on CBS and Paramount+. Plus. My thanks to Michael Torpy. Check him out on television screens everywhere and on your social media at Torpy Michael. Thanks to the team, Jessica, EJ, and Robbie. Rhythm J makes the beats. DA's my guy at Ball's Life. Rate and review us if you would. And please come back next week for more First Ballad. Bang the gavel, baby. Case closed.